the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Your Discipleship Coach with Michael Smith. Each week, Michael uses his coaching expertise to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Michael is a professional certified leadership, business, and life coach, serving as president of Professional Coach University, executive director of New Normal Coaching, and the lead pastor at Northwest Church. To learn more, visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Here's Michael. Well, thank you for tuning in to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. I'm your host, Michael Smith, and I'm here to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Today, we're talking about the corporate discipline of confession as we kick off a new mini-series titled The Corporate Spiritual Disciplines. So we're going to talk about confession today, and then the rest of our mini-series will explore the disciplines of celebration, guidance, and worship. So I'm doing this mini-series, and it's based on a book written by Richard Foster, and we've already produced for you a mini-series called The Inward Disciplines, a second mini-series called The Outward Disciplines. So now we are completing a conversation through Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline, with a mini-series called The Corporate Disciplines. So we're going to explore, like I mentioned, confession and then celebration and guidance. We'll hit both of those in our next episode, and then we'll conclude this mini-series talking about worship. As we get into the conversation today, I just want to remind us that the spiritual disciplines that we explore in our life help us to know God. We practice these disciplines so we truly know who God is, and then we we actually practice these disciplines so we can serve God's mission. So the disciplines, like today, the discipline of confession will help us strengthen our walk with God. Really, the disciplines do two things for us. They help us to express our pursuit of God. So we communicate to God through these disciplines that we want more of him. But it also expands or broadens our pursuit of God. So now that the table is set, I thank you for listening in to this mini-series as we begin talking about the discipline of confession. Richard Foster said that at the heart of God is the desire to give and forgive. I can remember as a college student, I lived in the Chicago area, and I went to school in Minneapolis, in the Minneapolis area. One particular Uh, I think it was a Thanksgiving season. I was driving from Minneapolis to Chicago and my car died and ended up that my engine went out. So I had a car that was probably worth about $5,000 and to rebuild the engine was about $3,000. And we actually selected that option. My, I didn't have the money. My parents 
gave me the $3,000 as a loan so I could repair the car. Well, the story goes like this. I I had the engine fixed. I ended up getting home for the summer uh, as school ended, and I had a conversation with my dad, and I said, Dad, I want to get on a payment plan to begin to pay you back for the engine. And standing in my garage with my dad, he looked at me and he said, you're, you don't have to pay that back, Mike. It's a gift from mom and I to you. And I thought about that story today when I thought about Foster's quote about God's heart to give and forgive. See, God looks at us like his children, and he wants to give to us, but not only to give something to us, but to forgive us for our sin and to set us on a path to spend forever with him. See, not only can God forgive us, of our sin, but God, when we ask, he does forgive us. It's not just something he can do, it's something that he does. And Foster eloquently describes that God's heart is to both give. Every good and perfect gift is from the Father above. But not only does he give, he forgives us of our sins. This thought is important as we begin to dialogue about the the topic, the discipline of confession. First John chapter 1 says this. I'll read a few verses. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now hear this. First John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins... If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, we have to first realize that confession works when we walk in the light. Just about a couple months ago, I was sleeping and I woke up and I couldn't really see. And I, I on my, my little nightstand, I have uh, a lamp that my wife brought into the marriage from, from her childhood sort of an antique looking a certain way. I couldn't see and I was reaching for the lamp to turn on the light. And I'm embarrassed to say, but I I actually knocked it over and the glass cover that covered the the light bulb, I I shattered it. I, I, I broke it. So now the lamp sits with no top on my desk. But I was looking, I I shattered that. The truth is because I couldn't see. What's interesting about this, when we talk about the idea of confession, is we may not understand how this works until we see through the light that God provides for us. When we see in the light, we see things God's way. Sin is revealed. Our need for God to forgive us is revealed. We walk according to his mission. We walk in the light, and that means not only are we walking with God, but we walk in fellowship with other believers. And walking in the light is this experience of being cleansed of our sin down to the depths of our core. So another thought is, I actually have a a magic eraser. Uh, It's like a Mr. Clean magic eraser. I think that's what it's called. Uh, They don't sponsor the show, so I'll stop talking about it right now. (laughs) Anyway, I have this little magic eraser, and when the white around the bottom of my sneakers, my tennis shoes, get scuffed up, I take this magic eraser, get a little water on it, and clean off my shoe. And what's interesting is that this magic eraser truly is almost like magic. It works everywhere. When there is grime on my bathtub and I go to clean it, 
I get the magic eraser and it cleans right off. And it's interesting because it takes the scuffs and the grime off of the surfaces that I'm cleaning. You know, it's just like that. When when God says we're walking in the light, it's because he has cleaned us. He has wiped away the scuffs and wiped away the grime for from our lives. So we experience the truth of God and the liberation from sin. See, we experience salvation, a salvation that comes from grace. And that happens when we admit. We admit that we have a sin and that we have a need for a Savior. So this idea of Christian living involves honest and ongoing acknowledgement of sin, the confession of our sin. This is not human nature. You know, in other words, we, a parent will ask a child, did you hit your sister? The answer typically is no. Did you take his toy? No. Did you say that? No. What happened? Well, oftentimes they don't give the truth. They give their version of the truth. But the proper attitude for a Christian is not to deny their sin, but to admit their sin. So Christians must admit their their sin, and, and this is called confession. And it's then that we receive forgiveness that comes from God, that we have access to his promises. Confession of sin, interestingly, is not even a theme in the New Testament. I, I found four places that it's mentioned one place is in the Synoptic Gospels, both in Matthew chapter 3 and Mark chapter 1, where John the Baptist is baptizing people, and there was a confession of sins when the baptism was happening. Another was in James chapter 5, when they were praying for the sick and laying hands one uh, on one another, and people were urged to confess their sin to each other, that the result would occur that they would be healed. People in Ephesus, they were confused by their evil deeds. In Acts, it explains that they burned their magic books during the, Paul, the, the time that Paul ministered to them in the city. That actually reminds me of the 1980s. I can remember in youth group, we did a bonfire one night, and everyone burned their cassette tapes and all this music that they did not consider to be uplifting or Christian. And this is what was happening in the book of Acts. And all of these ideas, as people say, Here are things in my life that separate me from God. So I want to confess my sin before God, because it's only through that time of confession that we identify the true need to experience forgiveness. And then the conditional response can occur if we confess. If we confess our sins, it's then that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from unrighteousness. Here the author says that God does two things. One, he forgives sin. He makes you innocent again. You know, every week when I was growing up in kids' church, I got saved over and over and over. I I didn't even understand how it worked, but I said the sinner's prayer every week. Sometimes people that aren't considered bad sinners will give their life to Christ. Some people are the chief of sinners. But when we confess our sin, God will forgive us of our sins, no matter what level we find ourselves. But what's satisfying is he purifies us. He cleanses us. He removes the stain on our life. And this is why we confess. God's forgiveness means that we are no longer held to the punishment of our sins. 
This happens through confession. Hey, we're about to go to break, and we're going to hear from our show's sponsors. I'll be back, and we're going to discuss this idea of the corporate discipline of confession. So we're going to dig into the discipline. We're going to explore some of the scriptures that talk about confession. We're going to learn to practice confession. In the next half of our show, that's what you have to look forward to. So I want you to hold tight. I want you to keep listening. You're listening today to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. And you're listening on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. back. Thank you for staying tuned. You're listening to Your Discipleship Coach, partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. I'm Michael Smith, and I'm here to encourage you to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Hey, as you've heard at the beginning of this show, we are kicking off a mini-series on the corporate spiritual disciplines as discussed by Richard Foster. And today, we're talking about the discipline of confession. And I want to take a look as we talk about this, at what Jesus said about forgiveness. So I'm going to read a few verses from John's gospel, John chapter 20, and I want you to hear this. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came, stood among them, and he said, peace be with you. So this might jog your memory as you hear this story. I'll keep reading. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So this is a a powerful time. And, And right after that, it's recorded in John's Gospel, John 20, 23. He says this, Jesus If you forgive the sins of many, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from many, it is withheld. It's interesting that Jesus communicates the power that we have and the role that we play in forgiveness. See, when I read this, I'm reminiscent of other words of Jesus. Matthew 16, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Matthew 18, 18, Jesus said, truly I say, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. See, we have a part to play, and we have a power that is with Christ. Our forgiveness plays a part in someone being forgiven. But this forgiveness comes through a, uh, a, this, this discipline of people confessing their sin and even asking for forgiveness. What's interesting is, although it looks like we are the forgivers, it's really that we are the vehicles for forgiveness. So when Jesus says, if you forgive them, it's forgiven, they are forgiven. It's written in a passive voice, and it implies that God's the one that is acting. But we have this relational conduit. We're a relational conduit that God works through to experience forgiveness. You know, I can remember as a kid, we did these services at our church on Sunday night, and there was a time that this, the pastor was speaking, and he opened up 
a conversation to the the entire church, and he said, "I just kind of feel like some people here need to forgive other people." And they put a mic on the, the floor right in front of the stage and said, if that's you and you want to share that with the church, come and do it, which seemed kind of awkward until I, I saw my dad go to the microphone. My dad said something like, uh, he named a person, said something like, you know, I don't even know if you know that I've been upset with you, but I've held some bitterness in my heart and I want to let that go. And I just want to let you know that I thought that, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to overlook that, and I actually want to ask you to forgive me for that bitterness in my heart. Now, people didn't even know that, but this forgiveness, he had to ask that person, but he was seeking God's forgiveness. So there's this idea, when we talk about confession, there's this idea that humility is coupled with it. And I think it's this is powerful. I want to talk about this just for a moment, because sometimes when we behave, we communicate things to other people. And that communication starts with a thought in our head. Something means something to us. So we're thinking, and and whatever that is in our head becomes what we're intending, what we're talking about. And then we speak words. What's interesting is sometimes we speak words that sound different than what we intended them to sound like. So from intentions to words, what's interesting is other people hear what you say. They don't hear your intentions but then they they interpret what they hear, and then they have an emotional response to that interpretation. So that is called perception. So oftentimes there's a gap between our intentions and other people's perceptions. Now, when we think about that, we judge our own intentions, but other people judge us by their perception. So how does this apply to Confession. See, confession is not explaining your intentions to others. Confession is empathetically understanding other people's perception. And this is what my dad did. He said, man, this guy would have been offended if he knew I was mad at him. And so he went right to how that guy could think, and he asked for forgiveness. It's caring more about someone else than it is being right. Now, confession can deal with what you said, but it can also deal with how other people perceive it. Now, when we confess our sins, we're confessing all kinds of things like words, thoughts, behaviors, intentions, even unintended circumstances. What we say is powerful, and and, and confession is something we say. I can remember being a youth pastor, and we had a Bible quiz team, and we were in a regional match— and we were playing this one team, and if we win, then then we would have been tied for first and would have had a playoff to win the entire region. If we lost, we would have been actually tied for second and had to, to play to try to get second place and just kind of see what would happen. And, and there's one particular question, and it was about speech that came up that turned the tide for us. The question had something to do Oh, from the book of James. And the answer was a very small rudder. So it's talking about this very small rudder that can turn a big ship. Well, we go to answer the question and our student buzzed in and said the answer was rudder and just sat there. And that's all they said. And they counted it incorrect. Well, they went to the other team. They had a chance to re-answer it. And they said small rudder. Uh, Well, the truth is the Bible version we had said a very small rudder, but they counted that other team correct. We ended up tying for second, had to play that team again and lost. And it was a whole story. There you go. But it was interesting that 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 surfaced for me because really it's reminded me for the duration of my life how powerful a tongue really is, what we say is. 
It is like a very small rudder that turns a huge ship. Your small word can make a big difference. It's it's likened to a small spark that creates an entire forest fire. The Bible says in James that a tongue can destroy an entire life. And it's with the same tongue that we curse people with that we praise God with. So confession, in a way, redeems our speech from from our thoughts and our actions and our words of sin. So we are now right with God and available to, with the same mouth that we bring cursing to others with, bring praise to God with. The Bible says that the tongue is like a restless evil, like a deadly poison. Yet God can redeem our speech so we can praise him. And confession sets the table for God to redeem our speech. Now, confession, confession deals with a few different things. It starts with this thought of saying, I was wrong. When you confess, it's saying I'm wrong. There's a sorrow in your life because something went awry. And in saying I'm wrong, we realize that we have this need for forgiveness from God, from others, and, you know, even from ourselves. So it moves from sorrow to this need for forgiveness to the practice of a humble heart, a repentant attitude. We have to be humble enough to ask for forgiveness, and this is called confession. And then confession also includes these action steps that we would take to make it right. So the word I use for that is implementation. So we do this in our house. When you break your sister's toy, we'll ask the question, how will you make it right? Our other child could say, I'll fix it. I'll buy a new one. I'll give her something else. They'll come up with something. And eventually they'll also say, I'll ask for forgiveness. You know, that's a great illustration when I think about dealing with confession of our sin with God. We have to come to a point to confess, to say, I am wrong. I have sinned and I am separated from God. I'm wrong. Then we would say, I'm in need of a Savior. I need forgiveness in my life. Lord, would you forgive me in my state of wrongness? In fact, I'll receive that forgiveness, and through humility, I will repent. I will turn from my wicked ways and walk toward you. And in many ways, we're going to do what what I ask my own children to do. We're going to take an action to make it right. Our actions might be seeking first the kingdom of God or carrying God's mission, or like Zacchaeus, paying back what was stolen from people. There's an action of making things right through our display of confession. So confession's an interesting topic, and you might be interested in exploring how to bolster the discipline of confession in your life or another spiritual discipline. And and we could help you here at your discipleship coach. In fact, you might be interested in coaching on any spiritual issue in your life, and we're here to help you. If you visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com, you can take our free coaching readiness questionnaire. A couple people just did that, responded yesterday to a couple people who took that. We want to make you better, and we want to partner with you. So we want to hear from you, and we want you to walk according to God's plan. So we're here to help. But also, you can visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com, and and you can click follow, and you can follow us on social media. You can follow this show. We just want to hear from you. 
Hey, before we go, I want to thank our sponsors for supporting us here today, Chicago Indian Church at chicagoindianchurch.com and Professional Coach University. Maximize your potential at Professional Coach University, where you can become a certified coach or just invest in yourself through professional development opportunities. Professional Coach University is starting a new coach training course beginning June 1st, and they want to invite you to be a part of that. Just visit professionalcoachuniversity.com. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. I want to remind you that I am for you and God is for you. And if God is for you, who could be against you? Thanks for listening today. You're listening on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Thank you for listening today to Your Discipleship Coach with Michael Smith. We hope you feel encouraged to apply biblical truth to everyday life as you pursue Christ. Be sure to follow Michael and Your Discipleship Coach on social media. You'll find the links at yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. And while you're there, you can click the Give Now button to support this show and to provide scholarships to pastors and Christian leaders to receive coaching. To learn more, visit yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. That's yourdiscipleshipcoach.com. Partnering with you to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.